Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rachel's Rants with me, Rachel. But uh, you already knew that. Sorry it's been so, 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 so long between episodes. School started and lives are slowly getting back to normal again, but we are back at it and sticking to a schedule this time. So this episode is going to be all about the hit show of the summer, Outer Banks. Well, let me just tell y'all one thing. I absolutely loved this show, and if you haven't watched it, do me a favor and leave this podcast right now. I'm serious. But uh, you need to start watching it because it's that good. I promise, I promise you. But please come back once you leave and watch all 10 episodes and listen in and hear my opinions and a few behind-the-scenes facts. And another note before we are about to get into it, the cast of Outer Banks, more just, I said just recently when I wrote this, but uh, it's been a bit, uh, they released that they are starting a season two, and let me tell y'all, I've never been happier. Not only is the cast incredible, but the plot and writing behind it all is just the real cherry on top. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey guys, thank you all for listening in so far in this episode. After a quick break from our sponsors, we will get back into the podcast. Alright, first thing we're going to really be talking about is the characters. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about them, and when I say a little, I literally mean a little bit. Um, John B. is the leader of the group, who's just on his own. You know, he's really just kind of the runt, in a way, of his family, because his family's kind of gone. Uh, then we have J.J., the trusty sidekick with a broken past and an abusive father. And then we have Pope, who's the brains of the operation with the brightest future among all of them, who's trying to get scholarships to schools. And then there's Kiara, who's the side chick of the group, closest with everyone and has no favorites until the end of the season. Sarah is the kook who wants to be different and wants to be, you know, included. Who doesn't? Now, let me tell you about my personal favorites of the cast. You know, like them rated, I guess you could say. Top is JJ. He's the best. Literally the love of my life. And then it's like, oh, well, why not John B? John B's the leader. But I swear, I don't know what it is, but JJ has just been proven to be the best character. Now, I mean, John B is super good. Um, he's very good looking, not, but I mean, just nothing can beat JJ. Like, nothing. Like, it's just, he's great, top part. Pope is a super sweet guy, but like I said, JJ's just like my number one. Kira, I love her only issue. She flirts with every single guy, and she's leading them all on. Like, she, she needs to pick one and move on. And um, the one that she chose, I'm not going to say who yet, but the one that she chose I'm not very happy about because she's meant for somebody else but that's besides the point. And Sarah, um, she's the best. Love her. She adds a lot to the show that you didn't know could be added. Now let's get into the actual plot of the show. I'm going to take you through the whole show because I'm just going to tell you all about it. Since it's one of my favorite shows, I did write a lot, so I'm not sure how long this episode is going to be, but uh, let's start it off. The show starts out with the cast on a boat. I mean, the classic Pogue boat, but I think it's a pioneer. Maybe, maybe not. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I am not a boat expert. But um, the real storyline behind the show is that there's like a myth or a legend that, not really a myth, more of a legend, that there's a sunken ship with gold in it that's worth like a lot of money. Like, a lot. And to the Pogues, this is an instant motivation for them to find this treasure, like, during their summer. So, basically... They need the money because they aren't the richest. So it's like pogues and kooks. Kooks are more like the rich people and the pogues are more poor, lower class. But there's a hurricane that happens and right after this hurricane hits, their homeland is it's struck. Like where they live, where the people live, doesn't matter if you're kooks or pogues. They wanted to go drive around 
and the river to see who it affected the most. And while driving around, they pick up their friends along the way. That's how you kind of meet the cast. It was really just a cute way of getting into the show. And then we get introduced to them for like the very first time. And then they talk to the people. They find out that someone's husband is missing from this hurricane. So like he went out on the boat and then the hurricane happened and then he went missing and now they don't know where he is. Plot twist. This man was being part of something bigger in the story, but you know, we'll talk about that in a second. I won't get ahead of myself too much. As they're driving on the river, the show made it where they pass by like some sort of marshy area. And then uh, as they keep going by, like do do do, nothing's, nothing's wrong, all Disney songs, happy times. Then they pan it to the marsh where someone's dead in the water. Later on, we realize that it was the good old husband who had been killed or drowned or hurt from the hurricane. But I mean, but by who? What did it? Was it the hurricane or was it something else? Was it a darker plan behind it? Well, that's a mystery that's soon to be solved throughout this show. Now back to the mystery of the treasure. It's known that the boat has sunk, but the location has always been a little bit, a little iffy. You know, no one's really known. But uh, now they're gonna go out and search for this on the boat. But uh, how, will they, how will they do this? Great question. And you're probably thinking, well, if it's a sunken boat, it's under the water. Well, no, I mean, really? Like, that's that's easy. That's that's the given. But how are they going to do it? How are they going to dive down? And can all of them dive down? Is it just going to be one person? How are they going to find it? Well, John B.'s dad had been looking for this boat for several years, trying to figure out where all of it is. But because there's a chance for gold, John B. knows that he has to find it. Now, he doesn't know how deep his investigations went, like his father's investigations. He didn't really know. But as they're going around in this marshy area, you know, driving around on the river, making sure everyone's okay, they notice that there's a sunken boat. Now, it's not the boat from the legend. It's a completely different boat. But they notice a boat that had sunk. And they're like, well, like what is that? So then they leave. They leave. They leave it because they can't say, they can't say anything. They can't really tell too many people. So then they leave it. The police come at one point later on which is terrifying so then they leave and then they go back and john b is like okay guys i got this i'm currently working for sarah's dad i'm working for him they're rich it's simple he has scuba diving gear i'm gonna pretend like i'm gonna go fill up the oxygen tanks when really i'm gonna be stealing the equipment to go dive down and search this boat they're like that is that's a great plan such a great plan so so good so he gets the diving gear they go off on the boat. He has to dive down to get a viewpoint of the ship because they don't really know what it is. They don't really know whose it is. But with what gear? I mean, it's like now he got the he got the low oxygen tanks from Sarah's awful father. So basically, from cleaning his yacht, he noticed that he has scuba gear with the oxygen tanks. You know, so she's like, "Why well, I can use this to my advantage?" He does. And then, basically, he dives down, and then they can see if this boat is really there, like, and what it's all about, you know, like, what's on it. Now, when this happens, I'm going to step away from the plot. I'm going to step away from the storyline. Step away, you know, take, like, a, take a look at everything from the background, you know, behind the scenes, I guess you could say. I just have to say that every scene is, honestly, it's just incredible. Not only is every scene, like, the location, like, the, it's just, it's gorgeous. But the filming technique that they had is super cool, and it just adds so much to the show. Now, when I say that with the scene I'm going to talk about in a minute, it's just, I, I have to walk you through, like, the filming process. I got to tell you all about it, because not too many people know it. Behind the scenes of this, like, police and underwater boat um, extravaganza, as I mentioned plot-wise, 
John B. stole the scuba gear from Ward, who's Sarah's father. And the other day I was just, I was watching like an IGTV video from the Outer Banks cast. And like they were going through it, like over the intent, like the intense scene that happened where it seems that John B. is pretty much just going to die. It's episode one and this guy's about to drown. And so it's like, well, well crap, you know, like what are we going to do? So they filmed it and they found it on like, it was just, okay. Let's see. Let me collect my thoughts for a second. Chase Stokes, who's John B., had to learn how to dive the same day that they filmed this scene for the very first time, and it was the first time that Jace had ever scuba dived in his whole life. So they have to film this, and he's like, well, I mean, I guess I got it, so let's go into it. So now, where, where are they filming this exactly? No, it's not actually in the river uh, on, like, a pontoon, like, boat. He's not actually scuba diving there. That would be too hard to actually get that all set up without damaging, like, the environment. So they filmed this diving scene, well, they filmed actually all the diving scenes at a military, like, training base. And then the rest of the scene is out on the river itself, so nothing's in a green screen. So shout out to that, because honestly, a lot of the times you'll see that movies or TV shows uh, nowadays have been using green screens instead of, like, real life places. But, um, he, like, the behind the scenes of all, everything is just really cool to me, especially for the scene. It's why I talked about it the most. So, with the sunset that you see, like, with, like, behind the boat, it's actually the sunset. It's not a green screen. It's just they literally would film all day, like, all the scenes that they don't need the sunset for. And then, like, they have, they would have, like, a gap, a window of 15 minutes so that they can get that view. And that's, on, that's dedication. They had to film it within those 15 minutes, hopefully with no errors to the point where they needed to, basically, film this scene that they wanted to have the sunset in the backdrop for. Now, with the scene where Chase is underwater, he is actually just on the other side of the boat hanging out in the water while they have to have this dramatic scene of Chase, you know, running out of air when he's, uh, like, treading just straight by the side of the boat and, you know, out of harm's way. But the gas had to look out over the edge of the boat into the water like he was actually underwater, making sure that he was safe. They're like, oh my gosh, you've been under there for so long. Is he, is he dead? Is he Has he drowned? Like, what's going on? He's looking over and Chase is actually... On the, on the side of the boat, up against the side of the boat, looking up at them as, uh, as they do it because they, they have to film it where it looks like he's still underwater. But um, he's technically just out of the water breathing, perfectly fine, just looking up at them. And it was a very hard scene for them to film, apparently, due to them laughing over this fact. Now, they just, I thought it was such a cool touch that, like, that they had to do that, like, like that they showed the behind the scenes of the show. And I just thought it just, it added so much to like my personal knowledge of the show and my appreciation towards it. Cause it does take a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication to not use green screens. Um, it's not like, just to put in dedication to them actually like scuba diving like the whole time. Now let's get back into the show where the plot is slowly thickening and relations relationships are actually starting to form now. As they discover the sunken ships, things start to really unfold when they get to like when they get back to shore. Um, now they start to get followed by some like really just sketchy like looking people on a boat. They're definitely not just out for a nice day on the lake because it's closed by the police officers. They're like, you guys can't be out here. And they're like, oh, well, we didn't know. And of course they're lying because Chase is currently underwater. And so they're like, all right, well, then they leave after he's safe. And he discovers you know, that the boat's actually there, but, it, but there's no gold. And so... 
they're, you know, they're down there, you know, they're chilling and then they start to leave and then they notice a boat behind them. Now this boat was not a police boat. It was just a regular old boat. And these two guys were on there and they did not seem very happy. Now it was very, very sketchy. So then they start to be like, oh, well, crap, we got to go. And then they start to shoot at them. Not, not the cast of Outer Banks. No, they don't start to shoot at them. It's these sketchy people. All of a sudden, they bring out guns because they seem to think that these teenagers are definitely up to something. I mean, they are, but really, you're just going to automatically assume the worst in people. Not very nice. So, they start out, you know, then they, like, they get away, luckily. So, then they, they get away from these bad people, and then they're like, well, now I got to go investigate more on these guys. So, then they go and search a hotel room. They go and search the people's hotel room just to get more notion or evidence towards, like, what was it like? Okay, they literally were just like, oh, you know what? That's a smart plan. Let's go. Let's go search this. We got to go find out more about, like, what's happening. Okay, we'll get some more information. So we're going to go search a hotel room of people who were just shooting at us. Now, the biggest treasure that they found in there, um, maybe ever for them, was JJ finding a gun in a safe as well as cash. Now, he takes the gun. Not not a smart plan. And for the fact that he's literally never used a gun once in his life, and it very, really shows, but it becomes, I guess, his signature piece. It becomes his character signature piece is the, it's the pistol. Now, at a party, JJ uses the gun to intimidate the douche topper at a party with kooks and pokes. This party was just kind of like a kickback summer hang out on the beach, and uh, this sends into a fight, and JJ really thinks the smartest move possible is like, you know what, I'm going to show people I'm the coolest, I'm the baddest one here. I have a gun. So he shoots it up in the air. How dumb could you be? I mean, you know, you kind of have run-ins with the police all the time, so it's like, oh, great, let me just shoot this gun, and then it'll be even better for me. Not a smart plan. Definitely wasn't one of his smartest moves as a character in the show. Now, over time, John B's knowing that he's starting to get close to discovering more about the mystery boat with the gold, and he finds a compass on the shipwreck that they first discovered. And another thing was that um, also the boat that contained the missing man or husband from town, that was also from that boat. That's where the dead man came from, I guess you could say. With the compass, John B discovers that it connects to his father, who he still believes is alive, making him go a little bit insane as to finding out more information, which is, it's always hard to know that one of your loved ones you still think is alive, so you know you're going to grasp at anything just to try to make other people believe it as well. John B is told by JJ and Kiara, like, you know, JJ's, he's sitting there and he's like, yo, Kiara. Kiara's out there on the beach and he's, JJ's talking to John B and he's like, Kiara definitely has feelings for you. You know, like, go for it. You know, go. You know, I feel like I feel like we could all could tell. And then she was being like flirty towards him, and she was, it was just like, yeah, I'm like go after her, man. You know, John B, go 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 get your girl. So like that happens. You know, causes him to go kiss Kiara at one point in the show, which was one of the most awkward kisses in the planet because she pulled away. Um, uh, pretty much offended John B because um, I mean I'm not surprised. She was, like, offended that, like, he kissed her. And she was like, what the heck? Like, what did you just do? I mean, really? I don't think I would... I don't think you would, should ever have that reaction. I personally... I mean, that would hurt... That would hurt anybody's feelings. Be like, well, what are you doing? Like, being disgusted? Like, uh, I'll take... I'll take a pass on that. Like, that kind of hurt my feelings. But, um, you know... Sorry, John B. I mean, I guess better luck next time. You'll find your girl eventually. I promise. 
So, I mean, that that did hurt him, but, I mean, kudos to JJ, you know, he's really, he's on top of it. He is just, he's on it. But, um, another thing with that, back to the Kira with, like, my opinion in the beginning, I mean, this is why. She literally, you could tell that she was flirting with him at the beginning of the show. She was all nice and, like, happy, smiley, giggly, you know, like, pushing, like, flirting. Like, flirting, that is flirting. And he's like... Just, you know, normal. Normals could be. And he makes a move and all of a sudden she's, like, disgusted by him. Like, I don't I don't know. I think that's a little stupid. But, um, continuing on the story. Pope is delivering groceries to help out his dad. That's kind of his job. His dad is, like, the grocer supplying to people. His business, um, basically. And Rafe and Topper. Rafe and Topper are both, ugh, they're both disgusting. They're both kooks. So then they decide to beat him up and steal the groceries that he was carrying and delivering. This gets uh, passed to JJ, who ends up sinking Topper's really expensive and brand new boat. Little did they realize that the security cameras were there, and JJ takes the blame so the Pope doesn't lose any chances of getting a scholarship. Let's talk about that scene for a little bit. So basically, JJ's so enraged, not only does he have to shoot a gun at the party prior to this, that he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go sink his boat. Simple. Got it. Problem solved. I, I'm gonna go sink this guy's boat, and you're probably thinking, like, what the heck? Like, this guy's gonna go sink a boat? Like, how is he gonna do that? Well, I mean, it's a simple plug they have to pull that causes the boat to get some water into it, I guess. I guess that that's how the system works, if they, if they showed it at all correctly on the show. But he sinks the boat, but since they are rich, they obviously have security cameras, because, you know, with expensive things comes expensive responsibilities. Then they have it, and they're like, well, dang, that's Pope. And they're like, Pope, did you do this? And it's like, no, I did not. But uh, he didn't say that. No, Pope was like, yep, no, I did. And uh, because he was caught, he was caught red-handed. Like, there was no way he could get out of it. And JJ was like, hold on, I did it. It was me. Like, I was the one who did it. Techn he, technically, he wasn't. But, um, sitting there, he takes the blame. He literally gets arrested with a huge fine over it. And, uh, just so Pope doesn't have any risk at losing a big scholarship that he has an interview for coming up later in the show. After having the boat sunk, Topper and Rafe are not happy campers. Mm -mm, they are grumpy as could be. And confront them, leaving to a brawl during an outdoor movie. Uh, yes, this was in public behind a huge movie screen. You know, sitting on the grass, like, as a kid with your family... Yeah, like popcorn, there's bugs everywhere. Um, it's not an enjoyable, enjoyable experience with the bugs, mind that part. But um, you're sitting there, you're watching the big movie on the screen. It's, just, it's a great experience. No, but behind the screen, you just don't know that JJ, Rafe, Pope, and uh, Topper are getting into it. They are fighting, there's a big brawl. And you're like, this was in public, behind the screen. And what does JJ do? I'm going to give you a few seconds. I'll give you a guess. What does he do? Well, he sees Pope getting choked to death, so he sets fire to the movie screen. Now, I know that you were thinking, oh, well, did JJ shoot him? No, he did not. That was a good guess. That was a good guess. Um, JJ is definitely the bad boy of the group. <laughs> There's no doubt on that. He is the, um, he's the one with the dark past and uh, maybe even a darker future with some of the decisions that he's making. As things progress, John B. is having an issue with the fact that he has no legal guardian staying with him because, uh, you know, the police officer keeps checking in on him and, you know, wants to help him out, starting to help him out because gets to the point where he needs to be taken care of and, you know, he may need to go to a care place, like maybe like an orphanage, I guess, is a way that you could put it. But John B., no, he's not going to do that. So he runs away. 
after jumping out of a car to go get a picture of his dad. Now he was like, I have to go get this picture because he like let it fly out the window. It's like, I have to go get it. It's my dad's only picture of my dad. Like yada, yada, yada. Like, yo, I got, I got to go do it. So then they're like, fine, hurry up. So he literally, then he runs, he runs away. He goes, he runs away completely opposite direction of where the picture went. Let's be honest. And he literally just like, he goes for it. He guns it. He's like, boom, gone. Like the flash, except slower. And so, you know, it's just like with that picture of his dad, he ran away. Now, back to JJ. He's confronted with the police on some sketchy things that have come up around town. And then he gets arrested, leading to the expensive fine of $30,000, causing his dad to beat him senseless. Which makes JJ point the gun at his sleeping father almost past his breaking point. One of the most heart-wrenching scenes ever in any show or any movie is when parents are abusive. It's hard to watch and it's hard to see, especially with the situation that JJ, that they built for the character of JJ. It makes you feel for him. And that proves something with the writers. That proves something to the show. It was only like the first few episodes and they genuinely made you feel bad for him when you barely even knew his character. So kudos to them. Uh, it takes a lot of good character development and good acting, so good job. Um, but it's, like, hard to watch, and so JJ has a huge mental breakdown. So John B., back to John B., he's discovered a letter, which was from Chapel Hill, and he, he talks to his teacher, you know, after he dropped out of school. He kind of ditched school. But he needs him to help him out, discovering that the location of the gold may be easier to find than they realized. So now there's a party... So it's like, with all of this happening, it's like, what else do we need, guys? Oh, we need a party. There's a party now. With the whole town. Pretty fancy. You know, everyone, all the rich people are there. And JJ sneaks in as a waiter. He sneaks in. He's like, I'm gonna go because Pope and Pope and Kiara are there. Well, Pope is helping out his dad, like, shucking clams, I guess. Oysters. Oysters, not clams. Um, and Kiara's there, of course, with their mom, because she's technically, oh, forgot to mention this, Kiara is half, um, kook, half pogue, because her parents are rich, but she doesn't like that life, so she's like a hippie, you know, just like out there, living her best life. JJ's assigned to become a messenger between John B. and Sarah, who had a secret top mission going on behind the scenes, without them really... Uh, without the friends really knowing so now you're like well you just you just skipped a huge part of the show what was that secret top mission oh i have to know well i'll tell you about it they traveled inland to find out more about the boat and the gold as well as the quote unquote legend behind it um john b gets a makeover and they bond more than they thought that they would ending up with the trip and the discovery of the letter and a newfound romance between the two leading to a very cute kiss scene. Um, very cute first kiss on the pier. And Topper sees them meeting together secretly at the party after this. And he sees them exchange a kiss. Whoa, uh-oh. And uh, he yells to see what Sarah is doing. He's like, Sarah, why, why are you over there? Playing dumb is not one of his high points for this poor guy. Poor Topper. So... It's like, you know, Sarah, like, why are you over there? What's going on? Why are you by yourself? And John B's like, crap. I hope he didn't see me. Well, good Lord, of course he did, because you literally were standing out on the balcony. You were pretty much visible to everybody, if you really wanted to be. And so it's like, 
So then he yells to see what Sarah's doing, and then, you know, she was like, Sarah's like, oh, no, I wasn't there. But he knows and confronts her, leading her to break up with him. Like, you go, girl. Like, finally, getting away from the toxic man that is in your life. Like, good job. Proud of you. Now, the Pogues make a scene and leaving the party, um, and they go to, like, oh, my God. They made a huge scene. They ran out of the party um, basically running away from the kooks who were trying to beat them up. It was just, it was a whole thing. It was a whole scene. You honestly, you have to watch it because it's like, it's better to watch it than explaining it. If you've already seen it, I just go back and watch it. It was that good. I mean, it was just, everything about the show was good. So then after this, and they go to a campfire where they discuss the gold and their new mate, Sarah, who helped him get into the Chapel Hill in the first place. Um, Kiara is not happy about this at all. Poor little Kiara. I'm not a big fan of her. Uh, you know, at, she's she's not happy. She's not at all. She's like, oh, I don't want her in here. She, I, it's, it's this weird feud between them or something. Like, she's literally questioning his loyalty to the Pogues. Like, she's like, oh my god, John B. Like, are you kidding me? You bring Sarah in here? Like, this undis- like this disgusting rat? Like, I can't believe you would do this. It's like, are you, do you, even, are you even part of the Pogues? And it's like, really? Like... Carol, last time I checked, you're actually a kook. Like, let's be honest. If anything, it'd be you. But, um, you know, just, I hated her during the scene. Like, take a chill pill. Like, calm down. You don't need to go off on him. He's literally, he's trying to help you all in the long game. Now, John B. and Sarah head to the state park right as the storm breaks out. One of many. There's literally so many storms. I guess it's like a motif in this, in this show. It's just, it's very popular. And Topper goes there to see them up there exchanging the map and the news that she broke up with Topper. And I was like, oh, like she told him. But John B. is an unloyal man just for the fact that he did kiss her. Well, I mean, they technically both admitted to the kiss. But, um, that he kissed her when she was still dating somebody. But that's besides the point. Um, that's just real life me talking. So, <laughs> um, basically... There's a big storm that's, like, starting to rain and stuff. And so Topper's like, oh, my God. He shows up, sees them, and they're like, this is not, this can't happen. Like, he's a very jealous ex over the fact that he just got broken up with, like, 10 minutes ago. But he shows up and shoves John B. into the railing of this, like, lighthouse, like, old, like, lighthouse stuff. Like, wood structure. I like how I just said stuff. Like, you guys don't know. Um, lighthouse structure, causing him to fall through it. And hitting the ground, being very injured, he's hurt, and um, he's unconscious, making the audience question whether he's alive or not. Now you're probably thinking, why are you laughing? That's a horrible scene to be talking about and be laughing at. Well, hear me out. I literally, they try, they keep trying to kill John B. off, where it's like, oh, is he dead? Is he not dead? But it's like, it's going to get to a point where it's like, guys, come on. <laughs> You can't, like, it's like, he's the main character. It's like, you know, like, you know that he's not going to die. But it's like, they, thank God, they make you believe it. Because literally, I was crying when Sarah was, like, heartbroken over this fact. And she was just, she's just distraught. She's, like, she's sobbing. She kisses him. Kiara sees this. She sees how much she cares about him. And, like, this is affected. And she's like, oh, like, maybe, you know, maybe she really does care about him. You know, maybe she's not bad after all. Now, as we're getting towards the end of this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about episode five. It ends with John B. waking up in the hospital, finding out that Ward has been offered to become, you know, Ward's just saving the day. It's becoming his little, little, 
legal, let's try that again, legal guardian, giving him a place to stay, allowing him to be free of the DCS, like Child Protective Services, basically. And as the episode really ends, we see that Ward may end up being up to something pretty sketchy, and we wonder what will be happening next. Now, I think this is a good place to stop. It's halfway through the season, because I kind of wanted this to be a two-part episode because I don't want it to be too long. I don't need you all listening to me talking about Outer Banks for an hour. You guys can go get a snack or take a break. But uh, since I could really just talk about the show for years on end, I'm going to leave it here and uh, make this a two-part series for one season. So we will pick up back where we left off with John B. moving in with Sarah, his new lover, and Ward, a man of some sketchy mystery. But uh, thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you guys next time. And yes, I know I cannot see you. Just go with it. Thank you for listening to part one of Outer Banks, and I'll see you all next time. Bye.